looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, November the 8th. And uh, it was a Melbourne Cup carnival with a difference. We all knew that because of the, uh, the COVID uh, dramas and uh, no crowds, of course, at each of the four days on Flemington. But... We were struck with another uh, strange event yesterday when the outage of the tab just before lunchtime. Nathan Exelby joins me this morning. How are you, Nathan? Yeah, really well, thanks, David. Yeah, it concludes another Melbourne Cup carnival. But as you say, yesterday was uh, unprecedented. We've used that term a lot, but um, people won't soon forget what uh, unfolded there yesterday. Yeah, it certainly overshadowed the day and it was a major talking point. Now, uh, Adam Hamilton from the TAB is joining us. We thought we'd address this situation first and foremost just to see where we are right at the very moment. Nathan, you've got Adam on the line now. Yeah, good morning, Adam. Yeah, morning, Nathan, David. Um, good to be on with you guys. I just wish it was in better circumstances, fellas. Yeah, that's for sure. Adam, run us through what happened yesterday and, and also where the situation's at right now. Yeah, look, firstly, I just want to um, apologise to all of our customers, our racing partners out there and um, and all of our uh, all of our venues as well. Um, this was an extremely frustrating day. I get the frustration, I get the disappointment, I get the anger in parts around this as well. Um, what, as much as we can establish, there there is understood to have been a significant power surge at one of our data centres, and and that's what's um, that's what seemingly caused the carnage, Nathan. So um, we're still not up and running at this stage, but there is significant progress being made. Uh, and as you know, in the um, <coughs> excuse me, guys, in the tab two states, you can bet on course and in retail. Um, but we're still working to try and resume digital betting, so through the website and through the app, hopefully by early afternoon. Okay, and there's been some changes made, I think, today to some programming as well, isn't it, in a, in a hope that um, it will come back on sort of by afternoon? Yeah, look, there has been, and, and back to yesterday, even though it was all to no avail, um, a special call-out to our racing partners right around Australia for for trying to buy us some time and working on us and, and, and playing with race start times and putting them back. And we have been in touch with some of our racing partners again this morning. The Capalabar Greyhounds meeting um, has gone back, I believe, a couple of race slots to buy us a little bit of time there. Um, as I said, that's all based around um, some hopeful optimism now that, um, that we could have closer to a full range of betting options available by early afternoon. Adam, uh, being a part of yourself and, uh, and as you said at the start, and, and, and I think you summed up the, uh, the situation perfectly, uh, you understand the frustration, the anger, the, the disappointment. But look, it's, it's something that's happened that's happened and now it's a situation we've just got to try and get out of it. And it's one of those things that'll... Uh, it's a moving feast, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I guess it's a benefit in my position, David, that, that I, I am a punter and I do get it. And if I step outside of my role at TAB, um, I can understand, um, you know, the, uh, the, the frustration and, and anger as the day lingered on. But um, I also know, being in my position, the, the huge team of people who 
haven't been to bed since yesterday. They've worked right through the night trying to resolve this issue and they have made significant progress on what was obviously a really major issue. Um, so, you know, I, I guess on one hand, punters, punters don't really want to hear that. They just want to hear that, you know, when are you going to have it fixed and, you know, when can I have a bet or when can I get some money out of my account? And I guess that's the key thing I'm here to update you on to say that there is significant progress being having already been made I wish we were fully operational now. We're not. You can bet in retail um, and on course in uh, in Queensland and through our other old UTAB states, if you like, um, in Tassie and South Australia and, and the Northern Territory. Um, so that's some upside. But as far as the full options, being able to bet on your tab app, being able to bet um, online, as so many people do these days, again, we're hoping for... You know, just after lunchtime. That, that's what we've got to ring around. Um, I don't want to commit to an absolute time because um, these things can't be precise, but, but that's, that's our target, if you like, right now. Appreciate the very latest, and uh, as we said, it is a story that's evolving, and uh, we'll keep in touch with you because outlets like this radio tab are important for our customers, so we'll keep in touch during the day. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 exactly back at you. Um, I'll, I'll be staying in touch with your producers and uh, on-air coordinators throughout the day with the very latest, David. And I appreciate the time to update you this morning. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Adam Hamilton, joining us from Tab this morning. Um, yes, uh, uh, an unfortunate, an unfortunate situation, and you know, probably not unprecedented, but maybe unprecedented in the gravity. Of, of what happened yesterday. Yeah, we've seen other wagering operators go down on, on big days as, as well, David, but um, the tab so much seems to revolve around the tab uh, that um, mm. it, it was really magnified there yesterday. And um, it's an unfortunate situation, but uh, hopefully it uh, can be rectified in the timeline that Adam's just outlined there. And it can't be ignored either, and you've written about this this morning in the Sunday Mail, that, that the, the situation that did develop yesterday, there is a cost to the industry as well. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, Queensland, to some extent, is protected from that, but we saw mm. South Australia make the decision to transfer the meeting to, to Monday, and that's that's really showcases how how much how reliant upon this revenue returns the the industry is. So, folks, we'll keep you up to speed on what's happening uh, uh, as soon as it happens. You'll be the first to know. Well, let's switch to the racing attention. Or before I do, uh, I checked all those numbers from the Melbourne Cup last week. I couldn't find. I couldn't find a six anywhere. No. It was number six that one, wasn't it? You did give a few out, but um, no, it was a uh, uh, fleeting hope tiger moth there, wasn't it? But um, and there wasn't me, a lot of excitement where I was. Uh, and and for, for, for me, and you, you rarely say this, I mean, the Melbourne Cup's the Melbourne Cup and everyone has a bet in it, but the horse I selected I think should have won Prince of Aaron. You were probably stiff, yes. And you don't, and you really say that at a Melbourne Cup. You can say like the speed is slow and yes. this and that and the other, but this is one I think with a, a, a no traffic issues and a better run on the straight. Yeah, he's a remarkable horse, isn't he? Whereas I, I could have, I was Tiger Moth and Sir Dragon A, and I thought both rode perfectly. I thought Glenn Boss's ride on Sir Dragon A was just incredible. He went from fourth last to third, and the horse just didn't see it out. Let's switch to the racing attention from yesterday, last day of the, the Flemington Carnival. The McKinnon was the Group 1 feature and Arcadia Queen, she was the favourite at $2.45.
Shout the bar, looking for two group ones in a week, edging off the inside running rail. Most of the field do. Two lengths skyward. Melody Bell presents the outside, followed further back by Harlem. Then 50 stars. Arcadia Queen is also tanking into it. Shout the bar went for home early in the straight at the 300. Two lengths. Melody Bell, 50 stars. Arcadia Queen running on. Shout the bar tiring. 50 stars. Arcadia Queen launching. Then Melody Bell. They've got to shout the bar. Arcadia Queen from last takes the lead coming clear she is the bell of the ball today arcadia queen two links second 50 stars from melody bell and fourth in the race shout the bar from harlem mr quickie dallas san mirage dancer skywood last is luke curry taking the ride yesterday uh, had her traveling perfectly in the run with that three wide trail and then she did what we know uh, she does best to that brilliant finish. Tanking into it. I like that turn of phrase, David. You might like to use it I one might time. steal that. Yes. I might steal I'll use it in the race at Ipswich where no one will hear it. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, she was, uh, she was uh, at her best, which she generally is. And, of course, uh, the man who I'm sure was absolutely delighted because he owns it, Bob Peters, he's been kind enough to join us this morning on Past the Post. Bob, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning. Thank you. As we were saying... Uh, just looking back at the race, too, it wasn't run at a great speed and she was out the back of the bus, but she travelled well and she got that, that cover flow. And that's when she lets down, uh, she's very, very hard to beat. And she's had a great turn of speed. Yes, that's a big asset when she can use it. Um, unfortunately, in a couple of big races, she hasn't been able to do that because she's been knocked about a bit. But in this race, she got a clear run and she showed us what she can do. Bob, it's a world away where we finished the, the Spring Carnival now and where you were at the start of the Carnival where there was thoughts of possibly pulling the pin on her campaign to finish with two big Group 1 wins, it must be very satisfying for you and the whole team. Yes, um, you know, she was the the star of the team, I suppose, that we took over there. Hope, we were hoping after what happened in Sydney. Um, I wasn't sure until the real pressure went on whether we had her back at all, but, uh, you know, it took us six months to get it. Uh, back after um, the Sydney uh, problem. So, um, uh, and then we had the feet problem over there. So everything didn't look good at the start, did it? Certainly. Bob, this is probably a difficult question, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you without notice. You've raced so many good horses in Western Australia over so many years. Can you give us a, a, a rough estimate where she sits, Arcadia Queen, in, in, in the horses you've raced uh, on the the ladder of, of success or on, on how good do you think she is? Oh, at this stage, I think she's uh, getting very close to uh, Old Comrade. Mm. Old Comrade won four Group 1s and she's won three. So, you know, if, if she could happen to win another one, I'd say she'd be up there with him. Bob, do you look back on the Cox Plate as p potentially a missed opportunity with the way the rain rain came that day? Oh, it wasn't just the rain. It was... Um, just unfortunate the way the race was run and where we were. It's um, amazing, really, when you look at you know the barrier she had looked like a really good barrier, but it really wasn't because the inside horses kick up, the outside horses come across as well, and then you're left in a bit of a funnel, and that's where she was. And um, you know, the, with no real speed on, she was just clipping. You know, go her stride is a lot longer than most horses, and she just clipped heels and went down. Bobby, you're a man who likes to... I don't think, I don't think it was the track that, uh, you know, I don't think it really was the the rain that caused the problem. I think it was just getting caught up and, and things going wrong in the race. 
Bob, you're a man who, who likes to plan. The, the, the spring has, has concluded with that Group 1 victory, two Group 1s during the spring. What, what are you looking at next year? Uh, with her? Yeah. I, I don't know yet. With her, you, you don't sort of assume anything. We'll get her home and, and go right over and, uh, and try and get her back where she should be again. But you never know with her. Bob, we saw William Pike sort of pass up the ride yesterday to go back and do quarantine in Western Australia. Lead us to think he's got a fair few good things coming up over the, the Western Australian Carnival. Is there some horses over there you're particularly excited about that we'll see in the next few weeks? Um, inspirational girls going along well towards the railway. We've got um, stage man and possibly celebrity dream heading towards the winter bottom. And, and then after the railway, we've got the Kingston town. So... Um, we had a nice horse run yesterday. He was he's still a maiden. He ran. Uh, he's only had one start before yesterday, and we jumped him up to a stakes race, and, and she really should have won that. He just got beaten the head or something. Um, he's coming along quite well, Western Empire, um, and hopefully there's a few others there. I'm sure there will be. But anyway, save the success from yesterday. Once again, congratulations. Uh, a great mare and, and a great win. Another Group One win for Arcadia Queen. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, Peter's joining us this morning. And, um, yeah, so no no plans in detail. Of course, missed the uh, autumn mm. this year. So uh, You'd love to see her come back for an Australian Cup, wouldn't you? She's a perfect horse for that. And I guess the Queen Elizabeth's sitting there in Sydney worth a lot of money as well. So hopefully she does stay together now because we've seen a couple of times through the spring how good she is when, when she's on song. Well, she's only sparingly raced. Mm. It was, a, I think, a 15th start yesterday for her eighth win. Uh, she was dominant. She came from, as I said, out the back of the bus, so hard to offer an excuse uh, for the beaten division. No, 50 stars was good, the, the Australian Cup winner. He, um, he raced wide, but um, yeah, she was just too good for him in Melody Bell. She's just a marvel. She went back home, got her act together, and comes back and runs well in another McKinnon. Let's go to the Darley Sprint Classic. There were three major players in the betting. Uh, Bivouac, Nature Strip and Libertini. Let's have a listen to the replay. Heading towards the course proper with 550 metres to go. It's Nature Strip held together by two lengths. Haydock, Fabergino, Zutori, Tafane. Then came Bivouac about to unleash from Graf Libertini. Stand out and Santa Ana Lane. Nature Strip, 300 metres to go, being nursed by McDonald. Still out clear by about two and a half lengths, but Bivouac is chasing hard now with about 150 metres to go. It's Nature Strip and Bivouac who explodes. Bivouac with a powerful display. Oh, what a spectacular win. Dominant. Four legs, Nature Strip, Libertini. They were followed next in the field by Zutori. Haydock and Graf from Tafane. Standout, Santa and Elaine and Fabergino. It was an ever-widening margin. Almost four lengths when the judge called a halt. Bivouac beating Nature Strip. Went past him like he was nailed to the, the fence with Libertini third. So the putter's got it right. One, two, three. And uh, of course, uh, Seen to advantage up the straight in the new market, another uh, straight six win at Group 1 level. He certainly likes that, that straight six, and um, he's got a good affinity with the man on top yesterday. He certainly has. The man on top is joining us this morning on Past the Post. Another big race win to Glenn Boss. Bossy, congratulations. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you both? You're very well, and I'm sure you're in a very good frame of mind. Take us through this race yesterday. It must have been a great feel up the straight. Yeah, he's um, he's one hell of a colt, this bloke. He's um, he's just sort of getting to full maturity. I'd probably say in another 
you know, another six months or towards the end of the autumn, or this autumn coming, you'll, you'll see, see a really mature colt, but he's finally sort of starting to furnish. Um, and he beat a very good field there yesterday. Obviously, you know, Nature Strip, who's the reigning sprint of the year, and Libertini's no slouch, and obviously being Haydock, those type of horses, you know, groups, last start group one winner. Um, you don't see him win, beat those type of horses very often like that. Glenn, you made the comment when you won the new market on him that you knew just riding into the gates that day. You made the comment again yesterday when you saw him in the yard. I'm interested to know, you rode him also in the Everest. Was it the barrier in the Everest that maybe went against him or is it that he's simply a superior horse up the straight? Uh, no, listen, he was um, beaten by a very good horse in the Everest. Yep. Um, just fair and, fair and square. You know, there was no no excuses. He... Um, and And... and the only one I would say, the Everest was run at a, a very, very hectic speed. And I went into the Everest second up where the winner went in third up. Um, it, I, I'm not saying my horse would have made a difference, but it, it, third up it might have been a little bit of difference going in the Everest. But apart from that, listen, he was just beaten fair and square by what... And that was a huge, highly rating Everest this year. Um, so, but he, he obviously... As you see by his run down the straight, he's very, very good down the straight, obviously. And um, But he's just a very good racehorse, all in all. Mm. Well, I'm always fascinated uh, to, to speak to, to trainers and jockeys, uh, and particularly those that are real horsemen, and you're, you're one of them. And you made this point a little earlier. I want to drill down on it further. You rode him when he won the new market, and some 19 months down the track, you reunite in the Everest, and then yesterday. Tell us when you, you reunited with him... Uh, how had he matured? Was it physically, mentally? Well, what was the, what what struck you? This horse has really come along well. Yeah, well, in the um, in the autumn, he was quite a like a feminine looking colt, very athletic, but he had a beautiful frame. He's got a very good walk on him. He walks around like a panther. He's got a beautiful, relaxed walk. Um, but he's obviously furnished. He's He's still not quite furnished. He's um, he's got beautiful shoulder, um, but he hasn't quite got the, the rear end to come, and that will probably come in the autumn. Uh, mentally, he's always been the same. He's just a very, you know, he just knows his job. He goes it there and does it very well. Um, he's a relaxed sort of customer. Um, you know, and obviously when you get that bit of maturity, when you get a bit more strength, you just get more speed. Um, so it's pretty scary to think that he's still maturing. Um, I mean, he, he, he ran... I think he broke ten and a half, two furlongs, and the last furlong I eased him up when he ran eleven. So, you know, I think he went ten two, ten three for two furlongs. But that's that's very very quick, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, hopefully there's. I mean, you, you just like to see these horses. You know, when you step into the enclosure, you just like to see the physical appearance that they're making, especially from one run to another. Because I, I spoke to James yesterday morning. And he was very adamant. He said, you wait to see this horse walking into the enclosure yesterday. He said, you'll be super impressed. And, um, I mean, not much really impresses me much these days. <laughs> but when he walked in there, when I walked in there, I just go, you go, wow. The, you actually feel like the race is already over because his appearance is amazing. You said um, he's yet to be fully furnished. Well, you're fully furnished. Uh, there's been a lot written about you today. 51 years of age. I think you were quoted as saying you're at the pointy end of your career. But there's one thing that never goes missing with, with Bossy. It's the exuberance. It's the the excitement. We saw it yesterday when you you rode high to the line, and 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 it's not confected. I think this is great for racing. That every time you win a big race, 
you really soak it up because, you know, you never know which what's around the corner, do you? Oh, these are very special moments, guys. You know, like, you know, like I'm I'm sitting on a cult that's probably worth upwards of thirty million dollars. You know, like he's a, you know, he's super bred. Um, his father won these sprint races. He's come out and emulated his father and winning these races. And um, you know, when you're getting when you're given the keys to these very valuable animals, um, you really got to go out there and execute and do it properly because there's no excuses. You know, you got to really do it right. Um, so. It's just very rewarding that these, you know, like the dolphins, they're a massive operation that they trust you to go and do that job. And when you get the job done, it's, it's great satisfaction. Um, it's a, you know, there's a, probably a sense of relief in, in, in there as well. But um, you just can't let these moments go by um, without celebrating because they are, tr- they are really great moments. You talk about him being a valuable cult, Glenn, and you've ridden some of the best stallions we've got in Australia at the moment, like Fastnet Rock, Snitzel, both champion size. Do you get good satisfaction in seeing what those horses that you've ridden on the racetrack go on to do at stud? Yeah, I, yeah, I do, actually, because, you know, I pick them out. Not that I pick them out. So sometimes I do pick them out, but I go, this is the right horse, you know. like they, You can see through their pedigree. Uh, you can tell what type of horse they are. And, um, yeah, I'm, you know, in the top... You know, 20 sides in Australia. I reckon I've been a wooden group one in the winners on probably 10 of them, you know. <laughs> so you think, and, you know, like, uh, you know, these ocean parks and all these great horses I've ridden over the years. And they've all got a very, they've all got a very similar trait. Um, they don't really understand their culture at the moment. Um, they just know their role. They just know they're really good racehorses and that they really go out there and know their job well and they go and do it very well. But when they become cults is when they finish racing and they turn into that cult. But, um, yeah, they just all got that very similar trait. Um, um, and and it, it's just, a, I mean, it's just great to be a part of them. You know, like, obviously, I'll be going riding his, hopefully I'm still around <laughs> riding, I might be riding his, his, his siblings at one point, you know. And, you know, like, yes, 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 these two went toe-to-toe. Him and yes, yes, yes went toe-to-toe a few times and there was very little between them. And I guarantee... These horses will go on and make very like they'll make super size. Um, like I, Fastnet Rock, I picked him out and I said, mate, this is going to be the super size. He had a great pedigree, um, and he went on to dominate. His, you know, he has been dominating. He's 19 year old now, and he's still you know threw an Oaks winner on the weekend. They they have very dominant size, and I'm predicting that um, Bivouac and like horses like Yes 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 will go on for generations now and and, and be very very dominant size. Just in closing. Um we're just talking about riding and how you you're enjoying your riding. Of course, you enjoy your riding when you ride Group Ones. But overall, uh, you're, you're you're enjoying your time at the moment. Uh, you're 51 years of age, but um, uh, health-wise, uh, fitness-wise, you're you're happy with yourself. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit over one telling how old I am, you know, because I I don't feel that old. I, I feel like I'm literally in my mid 30s. Um, mm. I work out, train hard, have a really good diet. Um, I'm working out with kids mid twenties and they can't keep up. Um, you know, simply because I just really apply myself to my fitness and, um, and you know, when you get physically really good and you can stay mentally sharp, um, geez, you're hard to beat. It doesn't matter what age you are, and that goes through any any boy. It doesn't matter if you're in sport or business. If you you know in life generally, if you can keep yourself real tidy, geez, it's amazing what you can do. Mm. Hey, Glenn, I just wanted to ask you about the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. You, you gave Sir Dragon Age a beautiful run through. What was your summation of, of his run in the end? Didn't run the trip. Yeah. Um, 
if he if I had also could have run the trip, um, he, he, I would have won. <laughs> um, he was he was really good though. I must admit he he was. The, the the suggestion was that he he well, before he came over that he wasn't he was a mile a quarter a mile and a half horse, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes you need these horses to win a Melbourne Cup. But he but he just didn't have the stamina to run that trip, especially at that tempo. Um, beautiful ride by Jai. He really set the race up, controlled it, and you know like it was from the thousand meter mark. It was it was game on, and it really found out who the ones that couldn't run the trip were and who the ones that could. And um, unfortunately, my bloke. You know, he peaked on his run with a furlong to go, but in a funny roundabout way, it might have been a good thing for him mm-hmm. because he'll come back in the autumn and he'll have some really good... He, he I'm suggesting he might really run well over a mile and definitely up to a mile and a quarter, a mile and a half. And uh, he's a colt. And sometimes when you win these Melbourne Cups as a colt, you can actually nearly devalue yourself, yeah. which is the weirdest thing, right? It's a weirdest thing. Um, but he'll come back and run in the, like, the Australian Cup and, you know, Queen Elizabeth and, you know, always possibly a BMW in, 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 in Sydney. And um, you just got to watch him because he's a very, very good colt. That was no fluke that he won the Cox Plate. And um, I'm pretty confident he comes back and he'll be very dominant at weight for age through the autumn. Glenn, congratulations on Sir Dragon and the Cox Plate. Congratulations with Bivouac yesterday. You're enjoying the ride and, and we enjoy sharing it with you. And... Uh... Congratulations. We'll talk again soon. Cheers, guys. And I can't wait to get back up home in Queensland. <laughs> Is that still on <laughs> the cards? Of, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, not to ride. I think when I get home and retire, that's where I'll be. But, um, yeah, just looking forward to getting home, catching up with all the family and all my friends up there. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Talk soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Glenn Boss joined us. Metal note. I mentioned he's 51 again. Didn't like that too much. Well, you went at it twice, so... <laughs> Well, it was in the paper. <laughs> you got to believe what you read. I'm 57 today. Well, happy birthday, I don't mind David. Mentioning I didn't, that. didn't know it was your birthday. I don't mind mentioning that. Congratulations. Uh, but um, but, but he, the enthusiasm and the exuberance, it's there. You, you can feel it with him, can't you? And you made the point at the start, guys like him are so, so good for racing. The, the mm. show that they put on, they're aware of their, their role in it. Happy to promote the industry. And they make spectacular pictures, him standing up in the irons like that yesterday. And 100%. 100%. Let's listen to a couple of other features before we move off Flemington. We'll go to the matriarch for the Mears. Up around the corner at the 500, Graceful Glamour has stopped and started them from In Good Health, Nerd Not Verb. Behind those horses then is Aristia Parody. Now, Vanagirl needs some room. Imelda Mary runs up behind them. Or Vanagirl badly bailed away with Bonvicini and Toffee Tongue down the middle. Graceful Glamour with Parody now unleashing at the 250. Parody takes the lead from Graceful Glamour. Then Toffee Tongue. Shalo's trying to get out a fair to remember late. Parody at the 100 from Toffee Tongue and a fair to remember flying. Parody, a fair to remember's coming with Toffee Tongue. They go to the line. Nearly a dead heat between Parody or a fair to remember. Photo and Toffee Tongue third. A wall of them for fourth. We had uh, Aristia with She's Ideal flashing home. Uh, one more try on Vicini and Vanagul not beaten far from those from In Good Health. Then Shalo, not sure how much luck she had in the straight either. Nerve Not Verve, Graceful Glamour and Imelda Mary. Quick mention to our select racing tips to Mark Hunter. He quinella this race with a fair to remember and also parody. He was in good form yesterday. His best bet one, Shelby Cobra, Bivouac, Arcadia Queen, and tipped the trifecta in the last. But a fair to remember producing a strong finish there. Yes, yeah, she did, and she's 
always promised to win a good race this mare and she relishes getting to the big stretches of Flemington. I guess they'll scratch their head with Vanna Girl, David, that you know she's had not much luck throughout this campaign, whether she had a chance afterwards, but she was really held up at another vital stage yesterday and it's a campaign that they'll unfortunately just want to forget. Yes, exactly right. Let's listen to the last feature from Flemington yesterday. This is the Queen Elizabeth and Pondus was the favourite at $1.95. Gallic Chieftain being nosed by Ladon de V. Hacky the inside, Credence out deeper. Further back in the field uh, running up behind those horses out wider, Chapada. Now Pondus making a looping run. It's the widest. Behind those true self needing some room from Luna Flair. Shared ambition. Scarlet Dream in a sprint to the post. Chapada moves up with Credence. Ladon de V. Gallic Chieftain fighting back at the 250 and Pondus the outside. Chapada led, followed by Credence. Pondus Ladonda V. Still Chapada at the clock tower. Pondus and coming through. True Self. True Self launching through with 100 metres to go. True Self takes the lead for Bowman and True Self has won it by a length. Pondus Chapada. Fourth Credence, then Ladonda V. Shared ambition. Scarlet Dream Luna Flair. Second last Hacky and Gallic Chieftain dropped out to finish last. Well, Pondus is back as we're working overtime to get past <laughs> Chapada. They achieved that, and then all of a sudden along came True Self. Yeah, her form didn't look as good this year as it did 12 mm. months ago. She'd run well in a Geelong Cup leading into this race last year and probably better European form. She'd, well, she hadn't got closer than sort of six lengths to anything this year, but um, Willie Mullins was able to get a right on the day yesterday and dual winner of the race now. Exactly right. Hugh Bowman having the ride. Let's take a break here on Pass the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. Still plenty coming up. We're going to have a look back at Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. Also, Dooman and a special interview coming up later in the program for our Tasmanian listeners. Pass the Post on Radio Tab. Rose Hill Gardens started off as a heavy track yesterday, upgraded to a soft, and uh, the feature was the million-dollar golden gift, the second running of this juvenile feature, and the favourite was Captivant. Down to the 3.50 and Muramura with a good kick. Skips two and a half clear. Sneaky five to second from Ghost Rider. And then came Churda. The favourites have got lots of work to do. Muramura inside the furlong just in front. Sneaky five looms. Then came Churda. Head of state. Captivant wide out. Sneaky five moves through the centre. Sneaky five takes the lead from Churda. And Sneaky five won the golden gift from Churda. Photo for third. Muramura and Captivant wide out. Head of state hit the line well. Then Ghost Rider from Hodson further back to Othelric and they put a fortune there on Hunnam but he wasn't up to it on debut. They certainly did six dollars into 370. He finished stay motherless but up the other end Sneaky Five uh, went back to back one at the Valley on Cox Plate Day with an English feature and up trumps in the golden gift so a nice purse there now and into the slipper. Yeah half a million dollars race on debut and then a million dollar race second. That's a nice nice return for connections before Christmas. Uh, um, he's Kieran Murray and Dave Eustace they've just you know, across the board, David, you know, juvenile features and then win a grand annual at Warrnambool. It's a very, very sharp operation. And uh, she looks a professional type but puts herself on pace. Yeah, and, and you know, Dame Gazelle won that race last year. We've seen her go on in the spring, so there's no reason to think that this girl won't uh, be able to play a part. Let's have a listen to the hot Danish. Only a small field and positive piece was our favourite, $2.80. 
approaching the turn. Arathia in front by a half length on Savatiano. Positive piece two lengths away. Wonderbar holding the inside. General's been pushed along now. And Tricky Gallas last of all. Arathia being shown the persuader at the top of the straight. Leads by a length and a half on Savatiano. He still travels. Arathia the inside of Savatiano. Three lengths clear from positive piece. Savatiano lays it down to Arathia. Tricky Gallas running on well from back in the field. But Savatiano's drawn three lengths clear from Tricky Gal running home in a second. But Savatiano in front. Savatiano from Tricky Gal and Savatiano, a hard-fought victory. Wins the hot Danish, a half-length to Tricky Gal. Positive piece third, Wonderbar fourth. Arathia dropped out and Jen Rules was back last of all. A few of the good judges were a bit cold on Savatiano yesterday morning. Uh, I think largely due to the, the, the heavy track, but... Mm. And and as such, she did ease of the market, 260 to 330 officially, but uh, she was dominant. Yeah, and the $2 million clicks over for her now. She's been a wonderful mare. And think back to the start of the spring, she won the Lawrence where the likes of Arcadia Queen were in her wake there. So um, she probably, not sure how much longer they'll go on for her, but um, she's been a good mare for a long time. Well, it's her 11th win, and uh, of course she won the Hunter last year, and reading this morning there's there's every chance if she does well that she could be on the seven day backup to try and defend her crown next saturday of course that's the big meeting at newcastle next weekend and it's nice to see these good older horses train on too like she could have easily been at stud this year same as bivouac like not many you know dual group one winning colts race on at four but they've done that and it's um you know, it's good for racing and it's good to see them get a reward out of it yeah i wonder how long bivouac will keep going i think this will this will be it but i know vin cox was always of the the belief looking at the horse at the specimen that he would be better at four and that's why they kept him going and whereas microphone who was you know, probably better horse at two than bivouac went off to stud this year let's turn our attention to doom and you've got to stop tipping good things in staying races Mark. yeah i know i've <laughs> told you stop it <laughs> I've, I've learned my lesson yes i um, had every chance I'm, I'm using the wrong people as the did people it, i follow did, did have every chance <laughs> i'm not sure but uh, um You'd like the race over again, I suspect. It, it was absolutely pested all the way by a fifty or a fifty thirty-one dollar chance that finished tailed off. But we're talking about fields of Yulong, of course. But uh, no, I think we've got to. But draw I take the point, David. No, you, but you make I, a good yeah, point. I, I think we've got to draw the line on tipping good things in in middle distance races. We had a nine race card at Demon. I think we had to wait till late in the day, really late in the day. We went back a race as well. It was nearly six o'clock, but when we left. I think we saw a pretty special horse here. Let's have a listen to Command and Conquer. He was first up in the last race, backed as if unbeatable. As I said on radio yesterday, yesterday afternoon, the putter said the number was in the frame. He ran it at $1.85. In the straight, though, Racecourse Road leads. He's got La Palmier off the bit. Now Warman is winding up this favourite. The big, strong Commandant Conquer is starting to run on, but he's got work to do. GTT went to Racecourse Road. Commandant Conquer is still running on. Racecourse Road, GTT. Here comes Commandant Conquer. Up he goes. Up he goes. Commandant Conquer. Big win from GTT Racecourse Road. Snow zone and then bring it home, Pop. Followed by Colpo di Tamburo. One strike, Agassi. Well back was spending my time. Widespread, La Pamier and stuttering. Tailed off last, 1941. Someone had the cheek to say to me after the last race, <laughs> you backed that commanded conquer. I said, I was on the one that ran last. <laughs> stuttering, don't you listen in the morning. Tailed off. Yeah. But credit where credit's due. This was a, a very good winner, a very good horse. And Steve Tregay is joining us this morning to uh, discuss Command and Conquer. Steve, good morning. 
congratulations. Yeah, well, a, a, a long wait, the last race of the day, but it was well worth it, mate. Yes, it was, yeah. It didn't look so good halfway up the running, but uh, ended up all right. Mm. And that's a good point. Calling the race, uh, he was back, you know, a little worse at midfield, and it's never easy, never easy, you know, around Doomit as well, and they hadn't gone helter-skelter, and he was still a fair way back at the furlong, but uh, he's a big hulk, and once he lengthened stride, he, he, he made him a lot of ground in a short space of time. Yeah, I think the thing I'm most happy about is the way he won, because... Mm. Um, you know, he, uh, he hadn't been back in the field that far before. He's always been sort of a, uh, up and wide or outside the leader or leading or something. And uh, we always have that bit of a question mark on whether they can um, do it a bit tougher. And he did that yesterday. I don't feel the leaders were stopping there. They run 34-1 their last 600. Mm. I think very few horses could have picked up from where he was, even at the 300 metres. And I'll put that to you as well, David, and still get over the top of him and win as convincingly as he did. Exactly right, Steve. There was a lot of confidence about him in the betting. I think yesterday morning when we were on air, he was two dollars eighty. We got to the track, he went up two twenty, ran odds on. But I heard you in a post-race interview with Bernie Cooper, and uh, you didn't go into the race, you know, super confident, did you? No, I didn't. Um, you just ne- never know, you know, until you do it. He'd had quite a long time off, and uh, whilst I thought he was pretty right, and you, you never really know until. Um, you know, and I don't worry about testing our horses too much on the track. They work with a mate and they work together always. So you sort of, you know they're well and healthy and you know their blood profile's okay and you know they're eating and you know they're sound. But, um, you know, racing uh, is a funny thing and lots of things can happen, can't they, in, in the run and afterwards and before. So you've just got to just, um, you know, just hope for the best, I think. That's what I usually do. I'm always one talking about horses, but from spells, how they develop. So, uh, Command and Conquer, let's talk about him in, in that prism. Uh, during his break, when he came back, has, has he matured physically or mentally? Or uh, where where is he at? No, no, he's pretty much the same. Um, I think he had about eight weeks off, I think. Um, and when he came back, he probably wasn't as heavy as I thought he might be. And this time he's... Um, He's just maintained the same sort of weight, so he really hasn't changed at all, except that he's a bit more professional in his in his manner. He did have a few not not barrier issues, but he wouldn't go to the barrier before he first raced. But he's got a bit better each time uh, he's been around, so he's got, he's got more professional. But his um, his size is is pretty constant, so I'd say he's probably reached his uh, his potential now as far as his weight goes. I think I heard a figure mentioned yesterday. You said he was 618 kilos. Now, for a lot of our listeners out there who might know much about how big or small horses are, a figure in isolation doesn't mean a lot. Tell me what the average um, weight of a horse would be uh, compared to that 618. Well, we 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 about five, we've had them as low as 430, but you know that's a very small horse. Mm. Um, the average horses, I reckon, about 500 or a bit more. Um, and we had had one as big as him before, but I don't think it was any bigger. It was about the same at 600. So he's he's sort of 20%, 15 or 20% heavier than the average horse, I guess. Um, and he looks imposing because he's a big a big black horse, and you know they all they always look good in the ring. So and he's got a big ugly head on him. So he, <laughs> he's you know he's he, he's they say he looks great, but He's not a he's not a particularly good looking horse, although he's sound and um, 
you know, and tall and a dark colour, which stands in his stead. Steve, you've got a good poker face. You don't give much away, so we'll try and dig a little deeper here. Where, <laughs> where do you think he, he sits? Can he get to, like, a Nick and Nova type level, or is he a horse that has you more excited than other horses you've had over the years? Where, where does he sit in your pecking order? Yeah, well, you could argue he hasn't beaten a lot yet. Um, that that was a strong enough race, and any 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 Saturday race is hard to win. Um, but but if you're talking top level, those horses are a long way from that, aren't they? Uh, mm. So it was more the way one, I think, uh, was the way I feel about it yesterday. Um, but but certainly any horse that's had seven races and won five of them and probably one things went badly for him and the other one was never going to win anyway because it was just a, a look at the track in that half mile race. Um, and he's going to get better with you know as he as the distances get up. I hope so. You know I'm encouraged as much as someone possibly can be. You know by a horse as compared to the other horses we've had, which is all I've really got to compare him against at the same stage. He's um, he's, he's as good as Nick and Over or Bergerac or you know they're the best two we've had. Um, so he's no, he's good as them. You can't help be excited about him, but at the same time, you've always got your heart in your mouth that something might go wrong. But um, you know, I doubt if it will with him. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a race for four-year-olds only at Eagle <laughs> Farm over fourteen hundred in early or mid-December? Oh, there is one on the gateway. <laughs> so at least yes, there it, is one. It's a very, it's a very uh, attractive target, isn't it? Taking everything into consideration. It is. It has to be looking at that race for sure. Uh, five weeks away and give him one more run before then I suppose and um, you know if he could win that one which happens to be one coming up at Caloundra which which the track would suit him better you'd think Um, so I'm a bit keen to get him onto a big track and away from those tight turning tracks because he has a bit of trouble getting around them you can see even yesterday he sort of gets a bit awkward on the corner and of course, a ticket into the Stradbroke as well if he could win the gateway. Steve, congratulations, and um, we're going to follow this horse with interest. Uh, it's always great to have an up-and-coming horse, an above-average horse, and as you said, uh, he might essentially be a good-looking horse, but he's an imposing horse, and and people like people like those horses. He's a winner. He's often favourite, so we'll follow him uh, with excitement. Thanks for this morning. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, David. Nathan. Cheers, Steve. Steve Tregay joining us this morning with Command and Conquer. And um, yeah, I think we left the track yesterday feeling good about this horse. Yeah, about him, but I think others too, David. It was a day where I think we, we got a nice glimpse into what we're going to see over the summer. Horse that was beaten, Ballistic Boy, made a terrific mm. return. So we'll see him most likely next in the Mwillenbar Cup. He's on his way to do the, the, the newly named Sub-Zero on Magic Millions Day. Uh, Tony Gollan produced three pretty promising fillies, I felt, in the Starosa race. We'll see those over the summer. And um, Jack Duncan saw Goldsborough. He's, he's interesting, Jack's comments, that he hasn't developed at all, but um, I think that'll be a strong form race as well. Let's just have a listen to uh, that race of Ballistic Boy. He ran second. Red Chase was the winner. Here's the replay. Heights got two legs clear of Emerald Kingdom coming to the turn. Red Chase in third, then Michelle Gustave, Bumsara. Grey Missiles come off the bit, and the others were headed by Snitch. They head for home. Fiery Heights still leads from Red Chase and Emerald Kingdom. Michelle Gustave putting in a fair run down the outside. Grey Missile is just battling away. Red Chase soon afterwards went up and hit the lead. Michelle Gustave is trying hard, but Red Chase got a margin. Look at Ballistic Boy screaming home down the outside, but Red Chase got a break and won. Beat 
Ballistic Boy and Eye Catcher. Reckless Choice and Great Missile not far away. But Sean Gustav didn't come on. Emerald Kingdom peaked. Then get stuck in. Fiery Heights followed by Bergerac, Boom Sara, Snitch and Love You Lucy. Last home in 118-1. I couldn't have had Red Chase. <laughs> And, and nor could you, I don't think. I had its second pick. Unfortunately, I was so bullish about him last week, but clearly he's just not a wet tracker at all. And back on firmer surface, I was stunned he got to $11, but um, he handled the backup and um, the others seemingly... Well, Grey Missile's gone okay, but um, Emerald Kingdom sort of struggled on the seven-day backup, didn't he? Yes, uh, Red Chase 118-1. It's a good gallop, and um, he was given a perfect ride there by Taylor Marshall. You mentioned Tony Gollan training the first four in that uh, three-year-old race, Star Rosa, Glitterstrip, Paladas, and, and Corvo. And you mentioned Goldsborough winning, um, took the honours, but Isotope would lose no admirers. A bad start by her, and... Under the circumstances with the 59 and the sectionals they ran, her, her run was outstanding. Well, she's finished in front of a couple of handy ones to, to get second. She had to concede four kilos to the winner, who we knew was a promising horse. It was a terrific run. It's interesting Tony Gollan said she's developed this habit of wanting to get her leg up on the petition when she's in the barriers. Same thing that Vega One's Vega done yeah. for a long time. And They were working on that yesterday, but meanwhile her uh, head was going all ways and... Um, she reared just before the, they pressed the button. She came back down, and then just as they opened, she did it again. And Miss Hipstar uh, justified the strong support for her. She'd been a talking point over the 48 hours leading up to the race, and uh, she SP'd at uh, 5.50. I'm pretty certain as much as $26 was bet when the markets opened. Yeah, that's right. She went up a big price, so... Uh, she'd obviously done some nice things on the track in between that that trial, David, that we saw back in early October. She'd had a jump out, and you know, Kelly Sweet has seemingly got a, a decent opinion of her. And Larry Cassidy made the point that when from the trial, there's no way in the world she could have been winning a Saturday race, let alone leading a Saturday race and winning. So she just kept getting better the whole way through. Yeah, Kelly uh, spoke very glowingly of her. I hope the, <laughs> maybe there was more reasons than this. <laughs> I think there might have been, but that's a story for another day. And we've actually run out of time for this part of the segment. Nathan, thanks for this morning, and we'll talk to you in the week. Cheers, David. Nathan X will be joining us on Past the Post this morning.